how can I have a faith that makes a difference in everyday work? And so that's what we're talking about today. Now, just to define a few things, when I speak of faith, I'm talking about paying attention to God and learning to let that relationship be our lifeline and our compass. So faith means trusting in God to propel us to enrich our day, our day-to-day life and all our interactions in the world we move in. That's what faith means. And when I talk about everyday work, I'm not just talking about paid work. Okay, So if you're retired or if you're unemployed at the moment, don't just go, oh, this one's not for me. I'll just have to, um, you know, I want you to listen because um, everyday work happens when we put our energy into something either manually or mentally for a purpose. Okay, so everyone does that. Everyone does everyday work. You're always putting your energy into something and it could be hard work or it could be mental energy for a purpose. So everyday work can include housework. It can, it can be kind of like family work. And what I mean by that is, you know, babysitting, putting on a celebration, um, working through conflicts, all those sorts of things. Uh, volunteer work, casual jobs, careers and community work. So even when we're not in paid work, everyday work is a huge part of our life. Now, for many of us in our everyday work, our faith tends to kind of slip into neutral and just idle. So we're busy, but our faith has just kind of slipped into neutral. And um, the thing is, though, that faith, didn't we just say that faith is the core relationship with God that sustains and challenges and shapes us? And if that's not getting any real traction for us in our work, how can we really grow? And the tragedy is that work, I reckon, is the primary context for spiritual growth. So if you're thinking, oh, I need some spiritual input, I need some growth, don't go on a retreat, go to work. Because work is where, is where you're going to be challenged, is where you're going to come up against people you don't like, um, where you're going to have you know, all sorts of things that you have to deal with. And if you're doing that in faith, then, then you'll, you'll do well and you will grow. By the way, you can go on retreats as well. <laughs> okay, um, so let me just give three reasons why we do tend to kind of, why our faith can idle, can just be stuck in neutral while we work. The first one is that um, sometimes we think that faith demands too much of us and we hold back from really committing to it. So it's kind of like being at a buffet lunch at a cafeteria and you, you just take all the bits that you like. So you just take all the cream buns and, and, and sweets and, and you, you don't actually take the carrots and the peas and the, and the broccoli. Um, when, when we do that sort of thing with our faith, we actually really diminish it because we're not letting it shape us anymore and so it sits idle. Second reason for idleness is that sometimes faith seems out of touch with our times. So we, we, you know, we're, we're dealing with some contemporary issue and we're trying to wrestle with it and we, we feel that our oh, faith was born in a different time and it just doesn't seem to fit. And so we, we kind of just, um, we just don't, don't think about it, um, don't think about faith in that situation. And the tragedy for there is that actually I reckon one of the greatest strengths 
of faith is that it often challenges the dominant thinking of our day and it prevents us from just getting carried along with the spirit of the day because we're, as people of faith, we're forced to look um, carefully and, and to, to deal with contemporary issues in faith. Third one is that a lot of our work happens alongside others. So, you know, you'd, you'd all know this, each family, each household, each workplace, each community, they, they all have a particular culture. You know, so they'll, they'll say, oh, this is the way we do things around here, you know. Um, like maybe your family, you all give hugs and kisses when you meet. Other people are like, how are you? And there's, no, there's not too much touching. You know, see, that's, that's just one little detail. And there's many, many things that make up a culture at work or at home or in your neighbourhood um, or just the general Australian culture. And the thing is that often we feel like to thrive or even just to survive, we have to obey those cultures. So we just live our lives obeying the culture that we kind of get landed in. We just go, oh, that's the way they do things here. Oh, well, I better just do it. And what happens is that faith um, is, is left out because we, we follow the demands of the culture and not the demands of our faith. Given these sorts of challenges, it's no wonder that getting faith into gear is hard. It's hard for us. It doesn't just happen. We have to work to integrate it into our everyday work. So what I want to do today is get us thinking and talking about how to practice faith so it's alive and active. And we're going to look at four basic ways of how faith in God relates to our everyday work. These ways, they're closely related to four questions. So the first one, the first question is, how do we succeed? Okay, and we're going to talk about blessing. Second, how do we cope with failure? We're going to talk about deliverance. Third question, what, what do we, um, so what should I do and what should I leave undone? Okay, what to do and what to leave undone? And the question there is guidance, or the, the word there is guidance. And the last one is, why should I engage in this activity in the first place? Purpose and meaning. Okay, so, so we're looking for blessing, deliverance, guidance, and meaning. So let's, let's, uh, let's start with blessing, okay? So how do we succeed? In our everyday work, we seek to accomplish what we've set out to do, obviously. So we hope to succeed. Now, when I use the word succeed, sometimes, you know, it pricks, you pricks your mind up and you think, oh, um, success can mean many different things to different people. And it is true that faith in God has another job of actually showing us what success means, but we're going we're gonna to get that to that later, okay? So for now, I want to talk to you about just, uh, the, just about how can we accomplish what we've set out to do. So the point here is that we live in a fragile and uncertain world. What we start out trying to do is not what necessarily ends up happening. I'm sure you've had that experience. You start out with something, but it's not, it's not what happens in the end. It's not, it's not necessarily going to be successful. Because we get tired, we get depleted, we become distracted or our attention wavers, we run out of ideas, we make mistakes under pressure, and even when we've done all that we could, it doesn't guarantee the outcome that we hope for. So our work, it's not always crowned with success. 
So in faith, we seek help and we pray for blessing. In faith, we give God credit for success in our work. Now, the scripture makes that connection really consistently all the way through. Um, I just got. I just picked one verse out because otherwise we'd be here all day. Second Corinthians nine eight says, "And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every day, every good work." So you can see that God's. We include God. We we say thanks God for giving me that strength, or thanks for that thing that that I was able to do. Now, if you go into a bookstore and you go to the spirituality section. Most books are about how to harness spiritual energy to succeed. But in contrast, Christians have often kept God away from success because it just seems a little bit wrong um, for us. And instead, we've concentrated on God's demands on us. You know, faith means God demands some things of you. And it's true that God's demands are extraordinarily important. If faith is not to become idle, in some crucial way. But I want to say to you this morning that most fundamentally, God is not a demander, God is a giver. And we see that picture all the way through scripture. Um, It holds true not only when we talk about salvation, God gives us salvation, but also it holds true in the realm of everyday activities. So God gives and therefore we live. God gives And therefore, we can work. God gives and therefore we can succeed. Our endeavours, of course, can be misguided, like when we want to succeed at at the expense of other people. And so blessing can't be the only way that we, that we, um, that faith in God makes a difference in our work. But nevertheless, we look to God to bless us. In faith, we're assured that God wants, he wants to help us. He wants to sustain us give us strength and creativity. So it's quite appropriate for us to ask God to bless our endeavours. In asking God to help us succeed, we're not giving up. We're not saying, God, I can't do this. Just take over. (laughs) Poor me. Instead, we pray for blessing in everyday work and we're asking God to make us willing, capable and effective instruments in God's hands. Can you see how that's that's a life of faith? when you're seeing all the things you're doing as God's actually nourishing and supplying the energy that you need. So we're on to the second question now. How do we cope with failure? And I want to talk about deliverance. So the second way in which faith makes a difference, instead of just idling, has to do with breakdowns with failures in our work. Few of us are courageous to admit failures, we tend to try and hide them. And it's often difficult for us to speak about them. We design our lives sometimes to keep failure at bay. Yet in our everyday work, we're always in danger of some sort of failure. We need help not only to succeed, but we also need help when we failed. Things can break down in spite of our best efforts. And it's even tougher when we've worked with integrity and we failed. We do the right thing, and then exactly because we did the right thing, we fail. Um, Then there's also failure which lies within success itself, where we've got to where we thought we wanted. Yes, I've succeeded. I've got to where I wanted. 
and then we feel dissatisfied and there's a sense of failure because maybe we were going in the wrong direction in the first place. So when things break down and fail, we often turn to faith. Now, a critic may question this and say, if you come to God in a time of failure, haven't you just reduced God to just a, like a soothing balm? Go to God when you're, when you're struggling. You know, um, God's just like a divine Band-Aid. Well, I, I think that as people of faith, if God is concerned about us, then God will help us when we fail. And so in Scripture... Just as there is a tradition of God's blessing, there's also a long tradition of God's deliverance. If you read right through the Bible, there's story after story, starting right back at Abraham and Sarah, where God's people get stuck in what seems to be a dead-end situation, and time and again, God finds a way for them where there isn't a way. He makes a way. Jesus, through his life, And through his death and his resurrection, he brings about our ultimate deliverance, which our whole faith in God hangs on, where we're saved from slavery to sin and death. So we're saved from bad work, you could say. We're saved from bad work. And we're saved into the new freedom in Christ to live fully, to live lovingly, to be redeemed as God's beloved which is the life of faith. So when we fail, God gives us a sense of worth beyond our successes and beyond our failures. Um, Who we are is always shaped by the kind of work that we do and the kind of workers that we are. But we're much more than our work, aren't we? Because we are the beloved children of God. And we're God's children both in success And in failure, God doesn't love us more because of our successes and he doesn't stop loving us when we fail. When we fail in spite of integrity, so when we say, oh, I've done the right thing and now now life's turned out badly for me, we may ask along with the psalmists who said, um, I think it should be up there, yeah, this is what the wicked are like, always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain I've kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I've been afflicted and every morning brings new punishments. So there's this sense of he's saying like, why should I do good? When those who do not do good are the ones that seem to be thriving. Well, in faith we understand that God promises that if we do what is right, Ultimately, we cannot fail since God has made the good world and is moving everything towards a good end. To act unjustly or immorally goes against the very grain of the universe. That's our, that's our faith. Okay, What a strong um, faith to stand on when we're in those hard moments where it seems like an easy way out if we do the wrong thing. With faith, failure always contains possibilities for a new life to come. There's always new insights and new possibilities. Isaiah 61 speaks um, to God's people and it says, For those who grieve in Zion, Zion being God's city, I will bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, 
and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. So those two functions that we've talked about so far, functions of faith, blessing and deliverance, they're wonderful and they're vital in their own right. And yet if we stop there, faith would be reduced to just energizing us and repairing us. Whereas, But faith would not orient in any significant way the choices we make in our everyday work. In a crucial sense, faith would still be idling along because faith in God calls for a way of life and not just a resource to draw on when we're in need. So an authentic faith is one that guides what we do in the world and that shapes how we understand the world and our place in it. So now we move to guidance and we're asking the question, how does faith guide what we do? When we're thinking about everyday work, that question, how does faith guide what I do, kind of has two sides. One side is more personal, like with my particular abilities and my particular community that I live in, what should I pour my energies into? So that's, that's one side of it. And um, as people of faith, we, we follow Jesus' lead there, um, who talks about guidance kind of like an apprenticeship, an apprenticeship with, with God our father. He says in John 5, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he is doing. If we read that verse and meditate on that, um, it really helps us to understand this relational dynamic of how God guides us in our life and apprentices us to to be people who look like Jesus and act like Jesus. Guidance is about letting God be our trainer and our master. We let God hold the map for us and lead us into his good work. We pray, we listen, and we discern for what God is doing and calling us to do. John 12, um, Jesus says, Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, My servant also will be. My father will honour the one who serves me. Now, the other side of of the question, how does faith guide what we do, is is about being moral. So what, what work is morally commendable? Now, when God is kept out of the moral dimension of our work lives, faith isn't doing some of the most important work it's meant to do. We could rock up each day to work, hang our faith, on the coat rack at the entrance and then just go in and do our thing without regard. Or we can let faith in God be our guide, let God speak into the issues and the dilemmas that we're facing and let him have the final say over what we speak and do. We listen to God and we wrestle together about how to carry ourselves morally and lovingly. We want to discern together what is ethical and what is not and to act accordingly. So a properly shaped faith nudges us to go beyond just, hey, what can I get away with? What's morally allowed? What we actually do as our faith is shaped is we think what's morally excellent, right? Can you see how there's a huge difference? What's morally allowed? What can I just, what can I get away with? Oh, yeah, that's, that seems right. That'll, that'll do to, hey, what's a wonderful way that I can 
step into this space? What's morally excellent here? All right, so our fourth one now we're up to. Um, for those who are dozing off, you'll, you'll be happy to know it's our, last, it's our last one. But I hope you're not. I hope you're engaged. Okay, um, is meaning. So we're, we're talking about why, why should I do this work in the first place? Because, you know, as, as human beings, when we work, we don't just do it. We reflect on the meaning of what we do. We say, why am I doing this? And we reflect also on whether our answer to that why question is adequate. Is the reason I'm doing this work going to sustain me over time as a person, as a worker, as a member of my community? Um, Those are all fair enough questions to be asking ourselves. And there are many reasons to work. And a faith that makes a difference will bring meaning to our work. So the obvious and most urgent reason um, why we do paid work is to put bread on the table. You know, we need our needs taken care of, so, so um, we've got to work. But if taking care of ourselves is the only purpose of our work, it, it starts to feel insufficient. And even if we've actually gained immense wealth, we, we often find ourselves dissatisfied if that's all we're doing, just feeding myself. We want our lives to have weight, don't we? We want to have substance. We want to grow to some kind of fullness that kind of lies beyond ourselves. We want to be something more than just a person who's getting fed every day. And when our work, so when our work contributes to the flourishing of our community, there's some new meaning there. There's, there's, there's a, a richer meaning. The community might be our family or might be close friends whose needs we're, we're kind of meeting. Um, it might be a business that we're, um, uh, that we're working towards succeeding. It might be a church to whose mission we want to contribute. Or more broadly, we can think of um, contributing to our city, um, whose vibrancy we want to help to sustain. So when we work for the well-being of our communities, our work gains a richer texture of meaning. Um, As the scripture says, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. So we also want our work to be lasting, don't we? Um, We want it, I I don't like the idea of years and years of work feeling a bit like building a sandcastle on the seashore where if the tide turns, things change, it's all just going to be swept away. And um, if you read Ecclesiastes, that's that's where the philosopher who writes that he gets stuck in that space where he's going everything's meaningless because in the end it's that you know and that's that's his his um his challenge and uh, i i guess we all have that sense of wanting deep meaning our work i think can find deep meaning when in faith we learn that our work is working for god as we work for ourselves and as we work for our communities so let me just say a few things about what that means Firstly, um, we read in Colossians 3.23, it says, Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. So in our work, we learn to cooperate with God according to his purposes. We might be flipping burgers, writing policy, cleaning houses, driving buses, uh, publishing books, babysitting grandkids, or preaching a sermon. And whatever you're doing, um, while you're doing that, 
you have a sense that we're working with God and God's working through us. The work of each one of us starts, we start to see it as it's a small contribution to the grand tapestry of life that God is weaving since he first created the world and blessed it. So as God is redeeming the world and us who work and fail in the world, we have this certain hope that God is transforming the world. And I reckon that brings a real an ultimate sense of meaning to our work and our activity. With such faith, our work becomes part of God's lasting purposes. In Scripture, we get the picture that in God's future, as, as, um, as much as that kind of remains a bit of a mystery for us, that he'll somehow preserve what is true and good and beautiful in our work, which I find really fascinating and, and, um, and a bit strange because I think, how, how will it happen? But um, this is what it says in 1 Corinthians 3. If anyone builds on this foundation, speaking of the foundation of Jesus, using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay or straw, so you might be using all sorts of materials, their work will be shown for what it is because the day, the, the day at the end, will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. So our work matters eternally. How about that? Isn't that amazing? All right, so we've, we've come to the end of our four areas. And I think that those four areas of blessing, deliverance, guidance and meaning, they give the basic shape of a vibrant faith which refuses to be idle. God blesses us and we can succeed in our work. God delivers us so we aren't weighed down by our failure but can bounce back in hope and joy. God directs us so we can work in both personally fulfilling and morally excellent ways And God gives meaning to our work, drawing us into his purposes, gathering all our efforts um, as we work for ourselves, our communities, and and as we um, work through them. And we're able to, to, um, God redeems them, he works through them, and he transforms um, our world through us. So our faith will make a positive difference when in these four ways God is at work in our work. Just before I, I um, get to the very, very end, there's a sheet of paper on each of your um, chairs. If I can just get you to have a look at that quickly, because I'm always a big believer that you can hear a great, great sermon, and I reckon that was a pretty good sermon. <laughs> it's just been said. But you can, all, you can always kind of go home, and, and it might not necessarily make a difference in, in your everyday life. And so this is a practice that I'm encouraging you to do. So when you get to the end of your day and you go, oh, man, I'm, I'm in bed, I'm, I'm about to turn the light off, and what a day it's been, all that everyday work, you know, all that housework, all that da-da-da-da-da, all the different things. Before you go to sleep, I reckon it would be fantastic if you did this, if this became a regular activity. I'm not going to read through the whole thing, but I'm just going to quickly go through it. And the idea of this is to remind yourself of God's activity in your day, okay? And if you do this, it actually trains you to be mindful of God in your day so that you're not just slipping into neutral with your faith as you work. 
So what you do is you um, you become aware of God's presence. So you, you kind of enter into a prayerful space and you look back on the day and in the company of the Holy Spirit, you're asking God to sort of bring to the surface some of the different activities that have happened in your day. So you can say, oh, yeah, yeah, I made breakfast, didn't I? And oh, yeah, I had that argument with my daughter. Yep. And then I, I went to work and I was grumpy. Yeah, I was a bit rude to that person. And then I, you know, I did that. And I did that fantastic thing. That was really fun. And, you know, and you, and you go through your day and you, you're just remembering the different things that happened. And the first step is to review the day with gratitude. Okay, so um, gratitude is, is the foundation of our relationship with God. We're saying, thanks, God, you've really blessed me today. You, you've blessed my health. You've blessed me with food. And, and I can see all these little ways that you've helped, you've been there for me. Even, even those strawberries that I had for dessert, they were fantastic. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't have to be big things. It can be small things. When we've, when we've finished that bit, then we actually stop and pay attention to the emotions of our day. So some of you will have a real roller coaster ride of an emotional day. Others are pretty plain sailing and you'll just go, yeah, I'm not sure if I had too many shifts. But, um, but what you do is you think about those emotions because I think that sometimes um, God's spirit is saying something to us when we get emotional. So if you're feeling frustrated, what, God, what are you saying to me in that space? If I'm feeling really, um, I don't know, angry or if I'm feeling really excited, maybe God's leading me there. Um, so you, you ask God to, what are you saying to me through those emotional places? So there's a bit of that. That's part three. Part four is then choose one feature of your day. So maybe through your little reflection time, you've got one particular thing that you go, that was a really significant event. It might have been a conversation. It might have been just some activity you did. But again, you ask God's spirit to direct you and to, to show you. It might be something you're struggling with or it might be something that you're really thankful for. And then you, at the very end, you look towards tomorrow. So you just have a bit of a thought, what's happening tomorrow? And you ask God to light your way in, in, the, in those challenges or that whatever's facing you for the next day. If you do that, and if you do that daily, yeah, it's a bit of work, but it's not much. And it's, and it's a good way to go to sleep too because it makes you um, lose some of your anxieties and worries before you sleep. Um, I really encourage you to do that. And if you are doing it, I'd love to know. I'd love to be able to, um, you know, to... to, to talk to you about it because um, it's, it's a really important thing. All right, so what we're going to do now is just head into our time of response. So I encourage you to get your response cards and I've got three questions which are going to be on the, on the wall there and um, these are things for you just to think about um, having heard um, the message today and, and being part of our service. So here's the questions. What are some key areas of everyday work for you at the moment, so just an easy one. What what do you do? What what are some of the things that you think? Yeah, that's that's a key part of of my work. How have you been challenged to better integrate your faith into your everyday work today? Um, is is there a, a certain one of those four that we talked about that's that's particularly challenging you? And the last one is what will you do to commit? Um, what will you commit to do this week as a first step towards growing in faith? So um, that last one's really about getting practical. What am I going to do to make that change? There's going to be a bit of music playing. I encourage you just to spend the time prayerfully and write some things down and um, 
David, at the end of, like while we're going through our, our and we're singing our last song, David will come around to collect those respo- response cards if you're happy for us to do that. All right, thanks.